This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. A new villain from The Flash appears in the wrong neighborhood. Reed's bittersweet reunion with his father reveals some very important information that may just blow up in somebody's face. Speaking of blowing up in somebody's face, we have a special guest today. We're talking The Gifted, Season 1, Episode 8, Threat of Extinction. Let's go. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin yeah. Oh, yeah. all right yes we are back in the studio yes. talking threat of extinction which is un- one of the best episodes of the season so far he's got the power super legit he's ready Still to blow character. us all up oh my god i'm your host Stephen lemieux stphn lemiu on x on twitter uh, joining me today, Rick Hong's out of studio. Still, he's still celebrating Thanksgiving. Somebody, a mutant time stopped him on the twenty fourth, and he's just awesome. stuck. Yeah. Maybe we'll get him back, but he's enjoying Groundhog's Day of Thanksgiving right now. <laughs> but joining me, I have Stephanie Sabra. What's up, everyone? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steph Sabra. Michael Young. Hey guys, you can find me online at Wanyasa, which is O N E Y O U N G S T A. And joining us from the gifted itself, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest from movies to television. Raymond Jake Berry's done it all from over 100 theater productions to a successful Hollywood acting career, consistently working from the 70s onward. He's our most recently seen on TV in the gifted as Otto Strucker, Reed's father. We're welcoming Raymond J. Berry into the studio. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So excited. (laughs) It was really, like, exciting to get the email that's like, hey, Reed's father could come onto the show. And I was like, really? Wait a second. (laughs) This is before we've even seen the episode. Right. His father. And it sucks that, well, I guess we can talk. Oh, my God. So, like, are you dead for real? Can you tell us? I mean, you took two to the chest, so I'm assuming you're pretty much dead for real. I want to say no, though, because uh, I do have supernatural powers. I'm a mutant. Yeah. So how people are usually killed would not be the case in my own reality. I was shot twice in the chest, but I could come back to life. I'm, I'm not like normal people. 
And I don't know what the difference is because I'd, I've never really been told uh, in what way I have become a mutant. I just know I'm a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever that means, they can you know make it up as we go along. I'd love to come back and be part of the show again as opposed to... They never saw my body fall on the ground. So that's encouraging. That's true. And after I was shot, there were sparks coming out of my hands that, you know, demonstrated my powers. And, you know, if you get shot two times in the chest, then you still can uh, retaliate with fire coming out of your hands. One would think you still have a tremendous amount of leftover energy, yeah. energy and hmm. you might be able to rejuvenate yourself into a a live being. <laughs> hey, That's I mean, it's not it's, it's not wrong to a point because we can break down. We we have to get into the comics a little bit for yeah. this episode because yeah. they are pulling directly from the comics. We are introduced to Andrea and Andreas von Strucker, who are twin-cest mutants. Basically, they're twin mutants that have a relationship with each other that when they hold each other's hands, the power multiplies and they can fly, they can make explosions, but they also yeah. have the power of shields and destruction, which yep. is exactly what Andy and Lauren have. And we learn that they're, uh, it, we get a flashback to Germany in 1952, seven years after the end of World War II, and basically they're chasing them down and they're trying to control them. We don't see the end of them, though. Mm -mm. We don't mm -mm. see them die, we just see them in a moment escaping from the, the, the police. Uh, so that's kind of their backstory. We now know that uh, Otto Strucker is their son. You got away from them when you were a child. You They were planning to raise you to be a powerful... Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline mutant that can, can they can control and they can use as, you know, the super mutant family that goes and does crimes and everything, which would be like the Adams family of crime, however you want to view it. Good point. But you yeah. went away because you Evil Incredibles, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the character of Otto Strucker escaped because he didn't want to be a part of that, but we learn that he has what looks like the power of fission. Yeah, fission. Yeah, so like splitting <laughs> atoms. Like it looked like. Have you ever seen uh, Doctor Octopus and Spider Man Two? Oh yeah, where, where he's, he's creating like that ball of like fusion energy or exactly. whatever. Exactly. So yeah. fission is the splitting of atoms. It's fusion energy, and it looks like you're right. creating a miniature sun. Is kind of what I was getting. And he was able to power up even with um, I pulse. can't with with pulse there. Mm -hmm. Like and pulse even tried to use his power. More and he still had it. So just saying, 
Still had it. Still had the power. You know so much more about <laughs> than I did. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you the truth. I had one day to learn the lines, and there what? were an enormous amount of monologues. Yeah, and I. I spent hours drilling and learning and memorizing and queuing up and, you know, preparing for this day of shooting, which was actually it was two days. And we shot a lot of scenes and a huge amount of uh, material I had to learn. So when you talk to me about fishing, (laughs) I'm saying to myself... Oh my God, fishing! I should have known more about fishing. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I felt that we did a pretty good job with it, and you know, yes. people were happy. And without knowing about fishing, yeah. <laughs> I was somehow able to embody the skin of this character. Totally. And, you know, I was delighted. By just relating to the people with whom I was shooting each scene, mm-hmm. you know, mainly the main guys, Steve. Oh, well, um, Stephen Moyer. Mm-hmm. Stephen yeah, Moyer. Yeah. Got along with him terrifically well. We'd take a break. He would look at his uh, iPhone and minutes would pass and I'd sit there and I'd say to him, Pay attention to me. <laughs> and me. he would laugh. <laughs> we had, you know, we could make each other laugh, and uh, it made for a very good chemistry when we worked together. And because I knew my lines, I didn't have to reshoot and reshoot and reshoot. And he, I, I know he appreciated that. Um, so Such you know, a we, great we had a great time. Did they? What kind of direction they give when they are telling you to use your powers in this? Because obviously, all of that's done in post. They can't yeah. exactly bring in a sun and have you create it in front of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, very blunt, uh, and I didn't quite know that it, uh, w- exactly what was going on at first. But they told me to. Throw my hands out like that, that so in front of me, and uh, what they did was superimpose fire coming out of my hands and elect, and my eyes turned red, which I, I just opened my eyes as if something were happening to me, uh, uh, fishing wise, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you caught a you know, trout, uh, <laughs> you know, and they filled in the blanks with special effects. Yeah. So you know, I didn't have to. Uh, uh, they they would have looked forever for an actor who could make fire come out of their hands, and they didn't have to, because all I had to do was open mine. So you, know. <laughs> you may not know the significance of everything your character did in this episode. That is true. But it basically blew the top off a lot mm-hmm. and a yes. lot, a lot, a lot of theories that can pertain to like everything throughout the season. Uh, with that, the character that you killed through blowing up the antique shop was a character that can disable mutant superpowers. So the fact that you are able to use your powers in that scene is right. a huge deal for the viewers. Very big deal. So yeah. it, it, it basically right. opens it's up the so floodgates cool. for the Von Struckers being immune to other other mutants' powers in certain ways. Whether that's just they're so powerful that they can go past uh, the disablement from Pulse, or whether other other people's powers just don't work on them. Yeah. I think we're going to see that if Esme tries to use her telepathic powers on the kids and it doesn't oh, yeah. work, or something like that. We're also have to figure out, because 
your scenes give a lot of information on who you were, why your estrangement with Reed was so important. Uh, there's lots of powerful emotion in the scene where Reed says, you didn't care about me at all. That was a really powerful moment in the episode where you lash out saying that everything was for Reed. Mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. few quotes oh, written down. Oh, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> and yeah. This is the best episode so far to me. I'm yeah. so yeah, because, because what we got Yeah, seriously, because like he was saying, it opened up a lot of the questions that right. the viewers have been wanting to know. But the it, words, uh, w- was f- uh, they were full of exposition, mm-hmm. information. Totally. You know, uh, uh, and that, that moment that you're talking about where uh, I, I kind of, got excited mm-hmm. with him and I say how dare you say that mm-hmm. everything I did in my life was for you this is a dream <laughs> and come true I'm in the scene ferocious <laughs> face on myself it's for you still and I, it's a good thing because they <laughs> answered <laughs> thanks dad they, they, uh, they answered a lot of questions but then kind of like opened the door to explore new things and I thought that was really cool and yeah. that's yeah. something that this show has done very well this season yeah. is like we don't have to wait for things. Mm-hmm. They don't drag things out. They're like, no, okay, we, you've had this question for like an episode or two. Here's the answer. Now, we're going to also open the door for some more exploration, but we're not going to like drag you on for you know the whole season just mm-hmm. to find you know the answer to how your dad was or what your dad thought of you and all these things. Yeah, well, we're also, we're also bringing back themes to today as well as World War II. We, we, mm-hmm. The Holocaust theme revives itself in this in terms of when you look at history, uh, you have you're a, a character who is so closely tied in with a bad part of history, and he runs an antique shop. And as Reed says, he's he's always in the past. And with with what your work was, it was my parents are these white supremacist terrorist mutants that went around blowing people up, and I'm gonna end that gene. I'm doing research to destroy the mutant gene so people can't do that anymore. So my son isn't a mutant, so his kids aren't mutants. So that's really powerful. Meanwhile, you have at the underground the the speech from John talking about we can't we can't just not accept everyone because of a few bad apples. Yeah. So yeah. you have like you have lines that really pertain to to the present state of things and the past state of things intertwining in a cool story that doesn't that's not as on the nose as like other shows have been in terms of political yeah. agendas. So that's really cool. Plus you have, we get that real cool tidbit of information that as soon as Reed says their powers, you're like, I failed, it came back. Oh, yes. Yeah. He says, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, I remember that. You amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. You're like an encyclopedia (laughs) of information about this show. You know more about it than I do, and I'm in it. (laughs) Can can I be in it? Anyone at Fox, call us anytime. How do you you learn this this information? Do you you must study the script or something? I try to I try to just research when things come up, but I try to remember. It's easy with shows that are good. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Like, me uh-huh. and Michael have covered shows that aren't very good <laughs> right. in the past. So when it's a show that we're actually like super behind and we're super yeah. into, right. it's really easy because yeah. we come up with theories that pull from yeah. all these different storylines. Right. So when you're pulling this minor information, the, the, right. the, the larger parts come naturally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like with this, I, like, I just take notes on the quotes. Like I really like that quote. I liked the quote where you said, protect the world from them. Because oh, yes. I you, remember that. You're yes. giving information, but 
again, yes. Reed doesn't know what happens when they hold hands. All he yeah, knows he is has know they hold hand, held hands yet. Yes, and he, uh, my character said, asks, uh, did they hold hands? Mm-hmm. And right away you know there's something up. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh-oh. Some kind of now, do you think? Do you think that this will, and of course this is something different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you think uh, this could create sort of a... Um, <laughs> a, a Skywalker storyline, and I know that's Star Wars, guys, but like kind of where this family lineage is a little more advanced, a little more powerful, a little more durable, I guess, than other mutants. Like something about this bloodline is a little stronger. Did you guys get that vibe at all? Or well, here's the thing: you have you have two mutants. You have to realize that that Otto is the son. Of Andreas and Andrea, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. one of them with another person. Yeah, so their it's power, even more concentrated. Their power when they hold hands is immense. Yeah. Now they're having sex and they're giving birth to something together. Like that's literally concentrating their power into yeah. a child. Yeah. So you, I feel like Otto is like a concentrated version of a mutant, and anyone who comes from Otto, which includes Reed, which includes Reed's children, yeah. are concentrated mutants in terms of like they're just a step above. Which you're playing with this storyline alongside Polaris and Marcos mm-hmm. yeah. giving birth to a child, and their powers complement each other very well as well. Wow, yeah. So I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with that because you have a lot of. Storylines that are very different, but kind of similar in their ways. Good point. Yeah, that that does open the door for what, hmm, what Eclaris <laughs> child could mean to the mutant underground, as well as the Strucker kids. Because, of course, at the end of the episode, they hold hands. So, I mean, of course, they don't know, but could they accidentally find out what that power does out in public, where it could be more dangerous, or maybe even inside of the mutant underground where it could be also dangerous to those living around them. So that's another question that this but it's a good question. It's a question that you're like, hey, I like this show. <laughs> I like asking these questions because I enjoy what we're seeing. You also have to stop yourself on this train of thought too from time to time because again, these are all assumptions. Yeah, true. Because again, Andreas and Andrea had those same powers and they held hands and it did one thing. We don't know that the kids are exactly the same. We don't know what combining their powers is going to do, whether it's going to cause explosions or something else. We just know that based on previous history, that's what they did, but... You know, it could be something completely different. Yeah, and in the show, I think they focus a lot on each mutant as being in kind of in control of whether they want to be positive or negative and how much they want to destroy or be powerful in a good way. So I think Lauren and Andy could have a totally, maybe the same powers, but a totally different affect. Yeah, because the Struckers were of the same mindset. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the Von Struckers, they were both like, Let's use our powers and blow these people up. They were, but you have Andy who gets upset at things. You have Lauren who's like more like calmer and yeah, more thought definitely out. Definitely more calm. So, it, do they have do their do their thought processes have to be the same for their powers to act that way? Mm. And are we going to see the the holding hands activate when they're both in a similar situation, showing a same amount of fury? And I think that's what's interesting because you see the end of this episode they hold hands, and nothing mm-hmm. happens. There, you don't see a glow. You don't yeah. see any special. Effect. But they're also not trying, I guess, to make something. Yeah. Happen. So there I has think to be will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So I think choice. We're gonna see because I still think this war is coming to the underground. This war has yeah. to. They reinforce two episodes. You're seeing all the all signs pointing back to Campbell is like really trying to find this place now. Yeah. If they're in a spot where somebody's gonna kill them both, and they end up holding hands, and they're both of the mindset of survival, use our powers. Like I think that's where we're gonna see it come True. out. Yeah. And that's gonna be devastating because they might blow up half the underground alongside the people who are attacking it. True, or become a situation where even the mutants that they're with are kind of scared of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You know, the evolution of man is based on mutation. Mm-hmm. True. And it just occurs to me that we're talking about violence, destruction, wars as a result of mutations. Is Michelangelo a mutant? Is Jackson Pollock a mutant? Willem de Kooning? These brilliant painters? What about Faulkner, the great writer? Or Dostoevsky? Are these people mutants? Man evolved from mutations mm-hmm. happening to genes, which brought about a kind of human intelligence that makes us a species that can destroy itself or propagate itself further. And I'm wondering if in the series somebody could have special powers, artistic powers, uh, powers that could create beauty, universal beauty. How? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the human phenomenon are great painters and great writers and great musicians and, and so on and so forth. I don't know how you could transfer that into a TV series, but the, the, the fact that we're on this track of wars and destruction and violence and I I question whether that's the only direction the, that these people could go into. It's interesting you say that because there are comic storylines where a mutant who's so powerful puts everyone in the world under a dream state and they're basically living in paradise. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's lots of different ways that, like there are mutants out there that have like a power of like illusion so they can show beautiful things or things like yeah. that yeah. but the, pro- the the thing that's like so different about humanity and, and, and mutinism in this is that humans mutate and it changes things very subtly and I think right. what X-Men does very well is it's, it, it, it speeds it up to the point yes. that it changes a lot of things very quickly. Right. And not everyone's the same. So, like, right. humanity has evolved over time to have larger brains, so yes, everyone's right. got larger brains. Right. But yes. if, like, 10% of humanity evolved to have larger brains, right. that 10%... That dominates the 90% exactly. and either kills or enslaves them. So that's what X-Men plays with is the fact that this small percentage is evolving yeah. past the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's humanity's struggle against the higher beings. Yes. And the higher beings struggle against being hunted while thinking that they are the higher beings. Yes. Also, there is conflict in violence, which lends itself to writing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it True. does. <laughs> when you have that kind of conflict, you you can invent a story yeah. where one person wants one thing and another mutant wants another thing, and then you have uh, a tug of war and a storyline and so on and so forth. 
if everybody is hunky dory, it, <laughs> it doesn't work out the same. It doesn't lend itself to drama. Yeah. You know, uh, you can show a beautiful fresco or a piece of sculpture, and then what? Well, somebody's got to somebody's got to yeah. somebody's got to steal it or or blow it up or you know well, it's just like let's make a story out of this. It's like the painting of Christ. Yeah. Nobody talks about it until somebody tries to go in there and reconstruct it and ruins it, and yeah. then everybody's talking about there you go. it because now yeah. there's drama. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, going back to Reed and Otto, we do finish it up with Otto going downstairs. And preventing Sentinel services from searching the place, yes. he blows up. We actually well, sort of yes, but <laughs> he he blows the place up, and we see Pulse dying, which was mm -hmm. interesting because it opens the door for them to not have a mutant disabling mutant anymore. Yes, and that yeah. that's a good thing for you know sad for Pulse, but it is a a good thing for the mutant underground because that's. And I hate to say they can kind of check off the list of okay they don't have that weapon anymore yeah. because to you know to the credit you know they were never going to get Pulse back and if they did get him back I mean just like we have the young girl now yeah. that's super fast can we heal him uh, can we now. ever rehabilitate him so maybe it's best unfortunately for all those that love Pulse out there maybe it's best that Pulse isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have they have to start thinking of these people as weapons as opposed yeah. to people, unfortunately. Uh, we can get into uh, the, the Speedster story a little bit. Uh, with the Underground and the Hounds, we learned that uh, all these bases are being taken down in the area. They take one down, which is at a chapel. They let them out, and we meet Esme, who is a telepath. Mm -hmm. She can read minds. She gives them the tip about one of the people just thinking weirdly. Uh, and she turns into, like, a super-fast mutant that starts fighting them. Yeah. They capture her, but she's starting to go through drug withdrawals, which is basically what, they, what they've what they put it as. Uh, Campbell starts to search for her. They use their powers to restrain her. They tie her down with me metal, but then she starts dying. So without this drug, we learn that the mutants can't survive the withdrawal. Uh, this drug that mind controls them, the yeah. mental blocks have basically irreparably damaged them to the point that they're going to die. Mm -hmm. So... This is all coinciding with Marcos and Lorna's storyline, where Marcos' whole argument for working with the cartel in the previous episodes was they were going to turn that to you, or turn, turn you, you into, into that. that. Yeah. And I think by the end of this episode, seeing the woman die from the withdrawals puts it more in perspective for Polaris that, oh, it's not just changing people, it's killing them. Like yeah. Essentially, like there's no... There's no coming back from it once that happens, which is really sad because I feel like, again, what we said about, um, what was his name? Boyfriend? Uh, about Eclipse? No, boyfriend, uh, Lauren's boyfriend, illusion guy. Oh, Wes. Wes, oh, Wes yeah, yeah. Which the make, teen dream. So Wes from the previous episodes where we kind of predict that he's going to become a hound. Yeah. That's not a good sign no. for yeah. him. And we saw uh, outside of uh, the the Strucker uh, uh, business where the the mutant uh, where Pulse actually turned to him, waiting for the injection. So they're hooked now so much that I don't even know if they know anything outside of getting their next fix. Really, so I don't even know if they know that they're fighting other mutants or if it's just. They're high all the time, mm -hmm. and they're kind of attacking, and they don't really know 
what's going on. Well, looking at the withdrawal symptoms, it looks like one of those things, even if they knew, they wouldn't be able to do anything because, like, the withdrawal symptoms basically look like they feel like death. Well, Amy was, Amy Acker was saying that, um, or Amy Strucker, I'm sorry, was saying that they wouldn't be, the telepath couldn't read her mind because it wasn't her yet until she would be in her dying moments. Maybe that's when they would be able to get a glimpse of to who the new mutant was that was dying. Right? So I don't think that they were themselves necessarily. Like it was clouded. Well, you look at, you look at what he says. He says they can't say anything because of the mental blocks. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in my mind, they have a mutant that has, similar powers of Dreamer and uh, Esme that is actually helping with these drugs and developing these mental blocks that they can't talk or like preventing them from doing these things. Uh, We also learned that all these mutants just have really, really, really sad stories. Every single mutant just has a really sad story. Chloe, uh, she took her her kid to a doctor because it was sick. The doctor wouldn't operate on a mutant and Chloe went off and destroyed the doctor's office and that's what Sentinel Services used as means to arrest her and bring her into the Hound program. Uh, and Esme sees Trask and Campbell in the Room of Mutants. She sees the, the, the creepy cooler full of mutants Westworld mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Which bodes for a raid, possibly. Every time we get Hopefully. a vision of a building, it's yeah. next episode's yeah. a raid. Yeah. But can they... I assume that the Trask building is a little a little bit better protected than the government offices that they went into. Trask seems like a place where it might be a you know a suicide mission to try to attack that building. I know I was hoping that they would get a little more information from Otto about tra- the actual building. Like the ins and yeah. outs of yeah. yeah. Yeah, if only he didn't get shot yeah. in the chest twice. Sacrifice himself. Oh my god. <laughs> I I feel like uh strategy was not Otto's strong suit. <laughs> well, I'm I'm guessing he went down there thinking, you know, maybe I'll be able to talk them, you know, yeah. kind of like talk them away and just be like, oh, well, you know, you know, I told them I haven't seen them I, and I still haven't seen them. And maybe they would just go off. But the that doctor guy is crazy. <laughs> what I'm excited for is a lot of people in the chat have been yelling at me for the past five episodes, but I didn't want to give it as a spoiler, um, is that uh, Campbell is a is a robot in the comics. He's oh, basically really? like a cyborg in the comics. I've been avoiding saying anything, but now yeah. at this point I feel like the show's not going that way because they showed him get injured by the blast. Oh, yeah. But I think we're seeing this is the start of him getting a cybernetic eye or something or a cybernetic implant. So I think the show's going down that road with Campbell gonna, next time we see him, he'll have scarring and something robotic associated with him. Which is cool because I think if he was just a straight up cyborg like the comments, it'd be kind of like We'd be like, hey, maybe they'll do the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, T1000. Give me a new heart. (laughs) Was it me, or did it look like Dr. Campbell in that really old photograph? So I have to go back and watch that. I think we have to watch. I know what photograph you're talking about, but I didn't really. hmm. But I feel like if it was, you would have recognized him more when you met him, but like. Yeah, I guess it couldn't have been because you were your character was pulling up a picture of like you as the old doctor team at at uh, Trask. Oh yes, but yeah. it looks like Campbell in front of that, but it must not have right. been. Yeah, and he did he did say you know your uh, studies led to his, so maybe that's not him. He was just you know <laughs> yeah. it's just the guy that looked like him, but that would be interesting if say he was like a 
I don't, guys, I, look, all I've watched is like scrubs, okay? But maybe he was like a junior doctor. I don't know. Look, I know that's probably not real time. <laughs> he was like a junior doctor, and you know, at that time. And then oh, like he took your today. studies of suppression and then changed it to make it, you know, full blown, you know, crazy mutant power, and you can't turn it off, and you're super hooked on it. So we'll see, but I, I don't think so. I want to say I don't think <coughs> so. Um, I do want to talk about iTunes really quick before we move on. Uh, guys, please go to iTunes, find the podcast by searching After Buzz TV The Gifted, or just search The Gifted, and we're like the third or fourth one right there. Uh, the first one that actually has to do with the show, because the other ones are about like gifted children and stuff. So go there, rate us five stars, leave us a comment, and we'll give you guys a shout out. What's the date? November 26th. So we're going to do uh, these people uh, doing their best, four out of five stars, doubting to MJR. Apparently some listeners are turned out because scheduling posts of the show after a few days after the TV program's air, huh? I'd like to host to bring up the notion of passing privilege, the degree that exists among the mutants in the context of the show. The missed opportunity that the show is not using a character with ugly makeup as a principal character and why we can't have an actor who isn't teen heartthrob attractive <laughs> as a recurring character on a show where we root for people who are different. Um, I don't know. It's Fox. I just... <laughs> it's, it's all casting. I don't think that's like even a... A mutant thing. Yeah, because I think, I think they're using that as like everybody looks... Cause I, don't, I don't think Andy's a teen heartthrob. No. I don't think like... I don't think everyone's like amazing looking. It's not like the Foster. It's not like a yeah. Because Wes, Wes is definitely he's he he's was, definitely but a, he was the, he's the he teen was dream. To be. Yeah, he's the teen dream. Uh, Lauren's pretty. Uh, there was another girl I think we met. Wasn't the Water Girl pretty too? Wasn't uh, Cora Junior? She was pretty. Yeah, but, but I don't think they're like. But I don't think they're trying to push it. Yeah, yeah I don't think they're trying to push it like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Actors in L.A. Like, they're casting yeah. from yeah. actors. Like, okay. Uh, moving on. Afro Shogun says, Great podcast, five stars. This is the water cooler talk I've been waiting for regarding X-Men and other mutant shows. Glad to see Michael Young back in a podcast. Miss him from Jedi Alliance. Flashlight and Syrup are indicative of the wit of this show. Looking forward to more as the season goes on. <laughs> and then we got another review from X-Nunwired, who makes fun of me a little bit, but he gave us five stars, so I'll still shout him out. Chris Rock, Ninja Dude, Know-It-All Mayo, and Cool Chick. <laughs> Um, I think I'm know it all Mayo. I think Rick is cool is uh, is Ninja Dude, and I think you're Chris Rock. Uh, disclaimer: the tone of this review is totally different from my previous one. I know you guys value listeners, and this may or may not change things, but I'll say it anyway. I gotta say, Stephen is starting to become the syrup of this oh panel. Oh my god! Ouch! I used to wow. look forward to you guys' review, but lately Stephen's comments are becoming too subjective and aggressive. Also, not a big fan of name calling, flashlight, lotion, syrup. <laughs> we have to explain that. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, you guys are being lazy and putting effort into remembering the character's name. No, we know the character's we name. We know the character's name. It's just fun. It's just fun to create <laughs> nicknames fun. for characters. Uh, probably trying too hard to be funny. Obviously, we do that. I expect more from Chris Rock, the ninja dude, know-it-all mayo, and cool chick. <laughs> know-it-all mayo. Wow. Man, I gotta, they get, a really... I gotta get a shirt. I gotta get a shirt that says that. You guys are no. doing so well in doing your reviews. Don't try too hard again. I think we're all X-Men fans here. Let's uh... try to keep it positive. My rating should be four-star, but I owe you guys the one star for addressing my previous feedback delaying. You gotta send me that one. <laughs> wow. Because it's like three paragraphs. We give nicknames to some of the, the characters on the show. Well, Steven's <laughs> like Eclipse is the one with the sun power. Flashlight. We call him Flashlight. Right. <laughs> Dreamer Syrup because she's just very like Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Um. Nobody's lotion. I haven't called anyone lotion. Yeah. Actually, been... no. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Okay. Oh, you. Uh. It porcelain. must have been um, porcelain. porcelain. Yeah. Porcelain, yeah. Probably. Um. Okay. So the last thing we got to talk about uh, is Clarice and 
Nora. We learned that the dog's name is Zango. We might have known that before, but man, cute dogs. Got to talk about the dog. Yeah. Uh, Nora, we find out, was from the orphanage, and that's why she's so shell-shocked yeah. when they find her in that thing. And I kind of had a suspicion, but then when Clarice brought it up, you're like, oh man, she witnessed yeah. the people at the orphanage mm-hmm. getting shot and killed. That's kind of terrifying. Um, and this was a big moment in the episode when Clarice asks Dreamer to take the memories away from Nora. Mm-hmm. So, do, do you guys think this is a step forward for Clarice and Dreamer, or do you think this is more just Clarice using her powers and still not really forgiving her completely? I think this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I agree. think this is her saying, you know, I understand what your powers do, I understand why you use your powers, but... You know, consent is needed. You can't just take memories mm-hmm. or implant memories at will. Um, I did have an interesting discussion with my wife I wanted to bring up to you guys. Should we be taking trauma from people? Because trauma, you know, of course, trauma happens to everyone, but it's also those experiences that kind of help inform our future, make us who we are. Yeah. Should we be taking trauma from people? So here's what you have to answer with that question. Was it fair for her to take away Jace seeing his daughter being killed? <laughs> so like that's the thing. Is like you have a you have it's the she's doing the same thing. It's yeah. just a different context. So and how I, is one okay and one's not? When she has more time though, I think she can be more specific on the certain memory being taken. So I don't think that the girl's not going to know that the orphanage was ransacked and that they were killed, yeah. but I don't think she's going to have the memory the of seeing them of killed seeing, in yeah. front of her. Yeah. Okay. So in that sense, I don't think any child, I don't think that's going to develop her into the group greatest person she can be necessarily still having that trauma of knowing that people you loved were taken from you is enough to make her stronger than most people um the one thing with this show that i'm also kind of like waiting for is the documentation of the powers because we keep getting introduced to all these characters and we keep we have so many people at the underground right yeah like they're walking around it's packed where are all the powers? Where's the healers? Where's the people who can do all sorts of stuff? Mm-hmm. We get introduced to Esme, and she uses her telepath powers to pull the information out of Chloe, but where's the 50 to 100 other mutants, and what are their powers? Like, is there somebody documenting them somewhere that they're just all useless, or, like, what is it? Well, one is budget. Yeah, special <laughs> like, effects budget, yeah, of course. One is budget, but... Uh, I think well, I was under the impression that they were supposed to like this was like kind of a a stopping station before they went to Mexico. So I'm assuming or hoping these mutants are kind of like there for like a week and then going filtering out, going yeah. going down to Mexico where it's at least they've said it's safer. We don't really know, but it's the laws are less strict. There's no you know Sentinel services in Mexico or maybe Canada either. I don't know, but um, I know they made a. Sp- Specific statement about Mexico being more lenient towards uh, towards mutants. mutants. So yeah. I'm assuming that they're coming there, maybe there for a couple of days, and then going further. Yeah, further down to maybe maybe go down to Texas, and then they go to Mexico or something like that. I guess. But if they're all there, yeah, there should be someone who's um, you know Keeping able to work with like uh, like the lady could, could take pain from people. Yeah. Or even the girl with water, maybe. I don't know. Maybe she could do something with, I don't know, healing with water. Yes, I know. I love Avatar and Korra. Yeah, maybe she could use water to heal people. But water bend. Anyway, she could water bend on it. But, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe people that could help 
you know, with hunting to get food or something, you know. It's just you, you have Kate doing so much. Yeah, Kate's Kate's doing like a lot. human, and she's like dis- un- undislocating elbows and yeah. like surgery on people taking bullets out and stuff. And you're like, man, everyone at this place, aside from like the main characters, are so useless. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're just like hanging out. But we did get to see from the telepath that the maybe the insecurity or the anxiety that Kate was feeling can be kind of laid to rest because she said they do value her. So yeah. that's a good thing. So that is true. Um, that's a big moment for Kate as well that you're right about, though I didn't mention, is that Kate wants to stay on the same side as her children. Yeah. Which, like, as soon as you're introduced to a telepath, you know, like, they're going to give some exposition because mm-hmm. it's information that you can have said without the character having to say it, which yeah. is really yeah. cool. Uh, we do have to touch on Marcos and Lorna really quick in terms of they're fighting on everything. She's still upset with them. They're, she's just really worried about the baby. Uh, so... Uh, from the episode, you pick up that Lorna is pregnant. She's pregnant with the with the dude Marcos. Marcos the one with the knives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. her power is basically magnetic, like it's polarity. So it's not that she throws knives; it's that she's just playing with knives because she wants things done. Uh, we see her bipolarness coming out in this episode, where she wants to interrogate Chloe. She wants to get it out of her with the knives. Then she wants Marcos to burn it out of her. Uh, so she is really kind of stressing out about this baby. She's stressing out about the, the potential of the Brotherhood uh, Underground being attacked. So there's a lot going on. And finally, at the end, we get them a little bit together again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of kind of reconciling, which is a good thing because we're not going to be at odds all the time. Because, yeah. they, you know, even John said, he's like, yo, you guys are the leaders. Like, besides me, it's like me, you guys. It's definitely not Dreamer. Yeah. Hey guys, let's rebel. (laughs) It's like, like, are we gonna do that today or next month? (laughs) (laughs) When you finish the sentence, Sarah. (laughs) Um, I do have to talk about a brand new show on History uh, because we have great sponsors here, and History is one of them that supports us here on the show. Uh, History's clinically acclaimed series Vikings will premiere with a two-hour season premiere airing Wednesday, November 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern Eastern time. Season five begins with Ivor the Boneless asserting his leadership over the great heathen army while Agurtha reigns as Queen of Kattegat. Ivor's murder of his brother Sigurd sets the stage for vicious battles to come as Ragnar's sons plot their next moves over avenging their father's death. Spoiler alert if you haven't been watching, but dude, check check it out. Vikings is really sick. Um... Bjorn follows his destiny to the Mediterranean Sea, and Floki, who is suffering from the loss of his wife Helga, takes to the sea, submitting herself or himself to the will of the gods. The season is full of startling alliances and unbelievable betrayals as Vikings fight to rule the world. Uh, guys, season five, it's only ten episodes, so you can check it out. You can get really on board pretty quick, and you can get caught up pretty quick. It's the critically acclaimed series from creator and soul writer Michael Hurst, Academy Award winning film Elizabeth and the Emmy uh, and Golden Globe nominated series, The Tudors. So, like, if you watch The Tudors, you're totally going to be into it. And, uh, honestly, history's hit drama series, Viking, it's a family saga that tells the remarkable tales of the lives and epic adventures of the raiders and explorers of the Dark Ages. Vikings, again, premieres November 29th at 9, 8 central, only on history. Check it out, guys. It's a really sick show. If you like Gifted, it's another really cool, like, it's a, it's a time period piece, but... Bloody and really talking like, about violence. Good, yeah. That's violence. That's, that's, that's definitely violence. some fights in there. If, you, if you're an action, if you're an action person and you really love the fights and the 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 hard hitting action, you I might want really to take a spin so. on Vikings. 
<laughs> it gets brutal. So back to back to gifted. Speaking of brutal, getting shot in the chest a few times. How'd you get involved with the show in the first place? Did did they did you have to audition or did it just call you and say you were perfect for this role? Because you really do fit the role really Perfectly. well. <laughs> they gave it to me. <laughs> nice. I don't blame them. <laughs> that's that's I, what it's all about, right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I didn't audition. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what they saw. I did a lot of uh, TV this year, I, and maybe they saw me in uh, Ray Donovan. I did five episodes in Gotham. I did five mm-hmm. episodes in Ice. I did five episodes, and I did one episode of Feud. And, you know, um, and also I did seven movies, including Purge 3. So, uh I've been out there. Maybe they saw uh, something, and you know, my agent—he sends tapes of all this stuff, you know. And then, you know, and then I get a call a day before. You got to learn thirteen pages of monologue for tomorrow. Oh man! And you know, uh, that's the way it happens, you know. But I didn't uh, audition for it. Was uh, what was like your favorite? Moment on set from taping this episode. When I told, I said to uh, uh, Stephen, "Pay attention to me." Yelling at other actors. Oh my gosh, I've really grown as a person. I can say anything that comes to my mind. <laughs> no, I can get away with it, and it, it, you know, he laughed, and we both had a good, uh, you know, we could enjoy each other's humor. Mm-hmm. And that is so important when you're a stranger on the set. If you can make people laugh, I mean, it's just really, it it lubricates the relationships. When I first started in this business, I'd walk onto a a set or a location or a, a rehearsal, and I wouldn't talk to anybody, and everybody would think, oh, my goodness, he looks like an axe murderer. (laughs) I don't know if I... uh, He shouldn't be around here or whatever. And and everybody would be tense, and I'd be tense, and, my gosh, it's so much easier now. (laughs) Just learn the words and be friendly <laughs> to people and kick it out and when you have to be mean just do it <laughs> <laughs> was the atmosphere on set really lighthearted? like the whole crew was super excited well steve steven was certainly lighthearted, and uh um everybody was nice and relaxed and you know i i, I didn't see everybody you know i i worked primarily with steve steven um, but I, I, yeah, everybody was cool. Uh, you know, it was a very comfortable. Oh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, to f- uh, film mm-hmm. this, and uh, that was an event in itself because I stayed for an extra day and I saw a very close friend of mine and uh, someone I've known for fifty years, and that was kind of a momentous event, you know. Uh, which was part of the shoot for me because I was looking <laughs> forward to that. And um, I tell you, it was like water off a duck's ass. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. That's the a whole first thing. for this after show, guys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to, in your acting technique, how did you channel something to get to that point of like seeing a son for the first time in 20 years? You know, I'll tell you something. I don't contrive beforehand. 
I don't say this has to happen, that has to happen, this has to happen. I don't plan it. I take it from what's going on in front of my eyes. And the result of that is that uh, I'm looser, I'm relaxed, I am open to stimuli, I uh, breathe into whatever is happening, and things are spontaneous as a result of that. And I add one element, I believe it. Very simple. Interesting. It okay. used to be so much more complicated when I was studying acting and getting into it. And, you know, for the first time, it was a very muscular approach and very um, intellectual as opposed to, look, I'm looking at your face right now. And that's real. And that stimulates me to be talking the way I'm talking. Mm -hmm. You know, you're real. You're Wow, you're very attractive. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> I look at <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the nobody flash, so you so you're just flash. like in the moment you stay in that stay in you the moment, just be there. Be open to stimuli. Be open to what vibe people throw out to you and you know, I, I'll tell you another thing. I I got a lot going for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to do is be. Yeah. I don't have to pretend to be whatever I am, masculine, uh, ferocious. Uh, you know, if there's the right stimuli, I'll be I'll mm -hmm. become whatever I have to be. I remember one time I was doing Born on the Fourth of July. Oliver Stone was the director. Tom Cruise and I had a scene where he had to persuade me uh, and my his mother, Carolyn Carver, to uh, join the Marines. And I had one line. So I'm sitting here listening, looking at Carolyn once in a while. Oliver comes over to me afterwards. He says, what were you doing, man? You didn't do enough. What, what the heck? You know, like, and I'm crushed. Well, I didn't know there was going to be a change in schedule. We're going to shoot a highly emotional scene where Tom Cruise comes home paralyzed for the first time. And it's a scene that happens in his bedroom. Long story short, I was so fragile and so, so vulnerable, I actually came to tears in the scene. And it, I, in my opinion, the work was really beautiful. I know it was. And Oliver did that. He knew we were going to shoot that scene. Uh, I didn't know. <laughs> he wanted to kick my butt to allow me to do what I was capable of doing. Hmm. Did I have any control over that? No. It happened to me as opposed to me. I couldn't have prepared better than Oliver saying, hey, man, what were you doing? You know, gee, you should have done more. Couldn't you scratch your cheek more? Uh, you know, he was trying to stir me up. And after we finished shooting that second scene, that, you know, between Tom and my, myself, he came up to me and said, that was beautiful. Wow. And I knew oh. it was. And he, he did that to me to get that out of me. Wow. You know, I couldn't have planned that. You know, whatever. With this episode, did that happen, anything like that happen, where you weren't necessarily... Because I know you didn't know the the show as well as we did, as you said, but you really were, like, the perfect yeah, father for really, this show really and this episode. There. I'll tell you something. Uh, I wasn't shy. 
I came very well prepared, word perfect, really knew the stuff. I could stand on my head and recite every line like bum, 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 bum. And uh, because I've I've been doing this for 55 years, I mean, if you're not confident by this time, get over it. You know, it's about bec- this time. It's about become time. a construction worker for goodness' sake. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah. But uh, the point is that, in answer to your question, uh, no, uh, uh, that kind of vulnerability did not happen. But I, there was a kind of relaxation in the work, mm-hmm. and I am a father. I got four kids. Yeah. You know, and are they all mutants? <laughs> they're all mutants, like all of them. <laughs> they range from age forty-five down to age nine. Oh wow! Yeah, quite a spectrum. Forty-five, <laughs> twenty-six, seventeen, and nine. Two boys and two girls. Whoa! Wow. Three of them are from my current wife, which I, with whom I'd been married for twenty-eight years. Congratulations! That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Is there anything you want to promote right now? Uh, we have to get off the air in just a second. Uh, uh, yeah, my website is RaymondJBarry.org. You can see all my paintings, my visual work, which I've been doing for 50 years. And sculpture, right? And sculpture. I yeah. saw that. It's awesome. RaymondJBarry.org. And as far as anything else, I don't know. You guys, you guys, I promote you guys. I don't <laughs> even did. know what this is. What is this, radio? Or what? <laughs> well, we did have everything. one question from the chat. Uh, Ivan Soto asked, uh, do you enjoy working in genre entertainment? Uh, like 100, The Gifted, Gotham, like sci-fi, comic book stuff. Do you enjoy working in that a little more now? Or is it just kind of like you take it as it comes and you read it and you're like, oh, this is cool. I take it as it comes. I enjoy people. I love acting. I love people. It beats working. Uh, you know, it, it's not work. It's like, you know, I love it. I love, and I love people. I love to be around people. You know, it's fun. I work with you. I work with you. You know, it's like, okay. And then, you know, and it was hard. You know, I, I, when I first started doing it, I was in college. I was at Brown University. And I was a football player, and some guy came up to me and said, you want to, want to be in a play? We're looking for somebody to play Hal and William Inge's play Picnic. And I said, no, man. He said, come to my class, and they're moving to Stravinsky, you know, like lyrical movement. And <laughs> he says, come on, Ray, come on up on the stage and do it yourself. So I'm an, I'm an athlete, right? So I get up there and kick ass, and <laughs> you know, I was hooked. You know, all right, all and right. the same guy got me into Yale Drama School after I graduated from That's Brown. So cool. Yeah, yeah, I, you That's know. Cool. But it took me years to get to the point where I'm at now in terms of relaxation. Yeah. You know, I was uptight. I was an athlete. I was trying too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't do that. You just gotta be be. You know. Well, we want to thank you for being here tonight. Yeah, yes, yeah. Thank you. seriously. Yeah. We are out of time, so <laughs> we have to wrap you. it up. But uh, where can we find you, uh, Michael? You guys can find me online on YouTube. Just search up Nerd Soul, one word, N E R D S O U L, and on Twitter at One Yosin, which is O N E Y O U N G S T A. Stephanie? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Steph Sabra, S-A-B-R-A-W. And then you said RaymondJBerry.org? That's correct. So RaymondJBerry.org is my website. 
Cool. Everyone check it out. Uh, please uh, tweet the hashtag so you can check it out or check out the fan page on Facebook, Raymond J. Barry. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-A-U-X. As usual, hit that thumbs up button and then comment after this live stream's over so we can talk about stuff with you guys and yes. read your comments and we will see you guys next week! Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.